Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. A lot of times people don't want to hear the gospel because it's not really a gospel, because gospel means good news, but the way it can be presented sometimes, it seems like anything but good news, because it's with a raised tone, and it's with a pointed finger. And, and there was a time in the culture that we could get away with it, but you can't get away with it. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 18, in a message titled, Sin and Grace. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I'm interested in, but for all they know, you're just a nice atheist or a good Buddhist, or something like that. You have to speak, you have to tell people, you have to talk to them about the faith. And that's what the scripture reminds us over and over, uh, of over and over again, because remember, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So people have to hear God's word, and we are the ones who are going to communicate that. Now. All of that said, here's the the real uh, focus that I want to bring us down to today. It's what Jesus said at the end here. He said, let me read it again. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. Here it is. For I have many people in this city. And the reason why I want to focus on this for our main point here today is because this is so counterintuitive, maybe, or it's just so the opposite of what you might think. Remember, we talked a little bit about the background of Corinth. So think of that backdrop and then this statement. I have many people in this city. See, we would be tempted to say, man, that's a wicked city. We don't want to go there. There's bad people there. There's all kinds of sin there. What would you go there for? Well, because God has many people in those cities. The Lord has people that he intends to save in those places. And quite honestly, for a few generations, many Christians, especially in our nation, you know, there, were, there, were, there was a flight out of the cities, get out into suburbia, get out into a place where, you know, life isn't hectic or crazy or dangerous or ultra sinful. And, and, you know, we understand that on the one hand, but when everybody vacates the city, then sin proliferates, but there are people in the city that need to hear the gospel. And that's the the situation here in Corinth. And the Lord reminds Paul of that very thing. And so as I look at this, I think this is really, it's a statement of an unexpected mercy. Now again, some people, and even the apostles to a certain degree before they really understood the program of Jesus, 
Remember when sometimes when they would encounter sinners, they would think the solution is to just call down fire from heaven. Remember James and John? They thought that. They went to Samaria. The Samaritans didn't really respond uh, to Jesus the way they thought that that uh, they should. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven just like Elijah did? And Jesus said, well, actually, no, I don't want you to do that. (laughs) The son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He said, you guys don't get it. You you don't understand what, what spirit you are of. And we can be like that too. And I think there, there have been seasons in the, the history of the church and recent history where we have been like that too often, where our thought is that, man, fire needs to come down and consume them, but the Lord's thought is, no, I want to save them. See, it's an unexpected mercy. God's heart toward sinful people is a heart full of mercy. And I think when you look at Corinth in particular, there's another verse that I think that you could kind of just use it to summarize what God's perspective on Corinth was. And it's, it's something that uh, Paul said in writing to the Romans. He said this, he said, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounded, that means where sin overflows. He said, grace overflows more. And so Jesus says to Paul, don't be afraid. I have many people in this city. And today, the Lord says to us, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of of what's happening. Because I, I still have many people that I want to reach. You know, later, of course, we have the two letters to the Corinthians that Paul writes. And in both letters, but particularly in the first letter, you really get some really good insight into the background of Corinth. You get a good insight into what the people were like and how they were living, because a lot of that stuff they were engaged in, they brought it over into their lives in the church. So Paul had to deal with them. If, if you've ever taken the time to think about 1 Corinthians when you're reading through it, you, you would be shocked at how much of a parallel it is to the things going on in our uh, culture today. Back in the, the 1500s, the 1600s, the big, the big issue back then in the Western world was the, the dominance of Roman Catholicism over, over all of the culture and a, a religious system, a legalistic system. The gospel is lost. Uh, nobody knows how to get saved. Nobody knows that you're saved by grace through faith and all of that. So the word of the Lord for that period of time came primarily through uh, Romans and Galatians uh, as well, but, but Romans even more so. And you know, when you study the book of Romans and you, you put it alongside of what was happening in the world at that time, it's like, man, this was the perfect word for that time because it's a restatement of the gospel. And it's, um, you know, all of those things about salvation by grace through faith and all of that. Now, fast forward to today, 
And obviously, Romans is still extremely relevant. But we don't live so much in a religious context like they did then, where Romans seem to really fit and hit. But man, when you look at the culture and you look at 1 Corinthians, think, wow, this, this letter, which obviously was applicable to the people he wrote it to, it's very applicable to us today. So let me just remind you, Paul, in writing to them, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the key verse. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That list, I think we can all agree, that's the world we live in. That's our world. And you know, it has been our world. Uh, I, was, I was listening to a podcast the other day that I, I listen to frequently. It's very good. And uh, it's very informative, you know, looking at the world through a Christian lens, assessing the news and so forth from a Christian worldview. And I listen to it almost every day. It's great. The guy who does it is brilliant, PhD, just amazing amazing man. He's a Baptist. And sometimes, I, I, you know, I, I, I listen to what he's saying and, I, th- and I, I have to realize suddenly that, oh, that's through the Baptist lens right there. So he's, he's looking at culture, you know, from a Baptist lens. So, so he's talking about, you know, the stuff that's happening in the culture today that's crazy and, the, you know, the sexual revolution that's going on and, you know, the same-sex issues and transgender, all, all that stuff, it, you know, comes up so frequently because it's just in the news all the time. But, you know, he's talking about how from his perspective, and this is what I'm getting at, from his perspective, he sees this as just, in a sense, sometimes he communicates it in a way like it's just suddenly come upon us in like the last 10 years, And I think to myself, I think, well, apart from the big emphasis on the same sex thing and the transgender and all of that, no, this is exactly like the culture was when I was 17 years old. This is all of the stuff here. I think this has been in our culture for a long time. And and I remember when I became a Christian and after a while became a Christian in the late 70s and you know, in the 80s, Ronald Reagan came and, uh, into the presidency, and there was a moral majority that rose up, and it was kind of, a, kind of a moral shift from the 60s and 70s here in the country. And I remember back then, I started hearing this stuff about America being a Christian nation. And I'll tell you honestly, I thought, really? This is a Christian nation? That thought never crossed my mind when I was growing up. I never for one second thought I was growing up in a Christian nation. Now I understand that we're talking about, you know, foundational principles and things like that. But all I'm saying is when when I was a teenager, there was nothing Christian around me. 
There was nothing Christian in my family. There was nothing Christian in my circle. There was nothing Christian in the life I was living, the people I was hanging out with. Uh, we were these people right here, right here, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. <laughs> we were those people. But listen, here's the problem. We forget that we were those people. And when we forget that we were those people, guess what? Then we're going to forget that the solution for them is the gospel. That God doesn't hate them. That God doesn't want to destroy them. That God doesn't want to judge them. That's not God's heart. God wants to save them. And man, Paul, who, you know, this guy is the Jew's Jew. He's, you know, he's all of those things. But he has such a radical uh, transformation in his own life that Paul can walk into Corinth, and like I said last week with Athens, not everybody could have gone to Athens and, and done what Paul did, and you know, not everybody could have gone to Corinth either. I mean, for some people, it's like, hey, no way, the temple of Aphrodite is there. Man, there's prostitutes all over that place. You know, stay away from there. There's lightning's gonna strike it. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be nuked. Don't wanna go there, Paul. That, that place is already set for judgment. Jesus says, no, I have many people in that city. You know, back in the 80s, kind of the, the lightning rod for all of, you know, the weird sexual stuff and everything was, was San Francisco and still is in many ways. Uh, but I, I, re I remember back in the 80s, um, I think I probably, from the pulpit, I, I probably expressed desire that God would just, you know, rain down fire and brimstone on San Francisco. And then in the 2000s, something happened. My daughter had a job in San Francisco and her and her family lived up in the Northern Bay area. And my prayers for San Francisco radically changed. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on San Francisco. Lord, just keep long suffering. Oh God, pour out your spirit because my baby girl's there. I don't want anything to happen to her. But you know, sometimes that's what happens, right? We're, we're just so detached. And we, but here's the problem. We forget. We forget what we were. And such were some of you, Paul says to the Corinthians. And so this is the case for us. And so in our current cultural moment, we are like Corinth. That's what... America has become. That's what the Western world has become. All of that stuff that was so much a part of the culture in the first century where there was no gospel, we've just gone back to that. It's like the, as someone wrote a book years ago called the Gnostic Empire Strikes Back or the Pagan Empire Strikes Back. We're back to the pagan world. That's where we are today. But remember, it was to the pagan world that the gospel went. And so just like the gospel was the answer to the pagan world in the first century, the gospel is the answer to the pagan world in the 21st century as well. And we cannot forget that. The gospel is and has always been for sinners. You know, there was a time in the church's life, and there, you can still find pockets of this today, where somehow the mentality is communicated that the church is for good people. 
And there are still people today that would say, well, I, I couldn't go into a church or I wouldn't go into a church because you know, I'm, I'm really a bad person. Some people would still think that way. How, here's the question in my mind is, how did we ever get to that place? How did, it, because that's like completely flipped over from what the scriptures reveal. Because according to the scripture, Paul himself, he says that Christ through him has demonstrated his kindness, his long suffering, all of that. Uh, Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. And it's through God having mercy on me that he set forth an example to everybody else. Basically, Paul says, what Christ is showing through me is if I can be saved, anyone can be saved. That's what he's saying. So somewhere along the line, we, we forget this. And we have to be reminded of these things. We have to go back. The gospel is and always has been for sinners. And so instead of throwing our hands up in despair at the proliferation of sin in the culture, we need to get on our knees and cry out to God and ask him to save many. Then we, then we need to get up from our knees and get the gospel out. That, that's what we're to do. We're not to, to sit around lamenting the past. We're not to sit around and think, oh, you know, for the good old days, you know, for the whatever happened to the cleavers and whatever happened to, you know, those, those, well, those really nice people, you know, the Ozzy and Harriet and their clan, you know, and, you know, that, that was never a reality in the first place. It was just fantasy. So... We need to get the gospel to people. And you know how we do that? We do it not by name calling and finger pointing, but this is really how we need to understand it. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. See, a lot of times people don't want to hear the gospel because it's not really a gospel, because gospel means good news, but the way it can be presented sometimes, it seems like anything but good news, because it's, it's with a raised tone, and it's with a pointed finger. And you know, whenever we're doing that, and, and there was a time in the culture that we could get away with it, but you can't get away with it anymore. But it never really worked that well anyway. We are sinners ourselves, right? And such were some of you. So I'm just one beggar telling another beggar, hey, here's the bread. <laughs> I found this. You can have this too. You know, I, I have had, you know, times where we're preaching and, you know, people have come up and kind of critically said, you know, man, you need to, you need to be more forceful. You know, you need to, you know, preach against sin and you need to do all of this and that. And, you know, well, I, I hope Fully, I'm going to do what the Spirit of God puts on my heart to do. That's what I'm trying to do. But I, I don't think that's the way to do it. Many years ago when I lived in London, we used to do a lot of street ministry. And I'll never forget one day we were in this place called Leicester Square. That's where we would normally go out. We'd do some music and then we would share the gospel. And we would get crowds, you know, good crowds. Sometimes a couple hundred people would gather around. And, uh, but I, I remember I was standing up there and I was sharing and I saw this like this double-decker bus pull up and stop I saw the driver get out 
And he walked to the back of the crowd and he just stood there. And for the next, you know, seven or eight minutes, however long it was that I was speaking, he was just looking right at me. And, you know, of course you can't help but wonder, wow, what, are we blocking his way? I mean, what, you know, what does he want? Why is he back there? And he just stood the entire time and then we finished up and the crowd dispersed. And as the crowd dispersed, he came up to me and he said this. He said, you know, I've lived in this city my whole life and I've heard a lot of people doing what you're doing out here today. And he said this. He said, but this is the first time I didn't feel like I was being talked down to. I felt like I was being talked to just on that level. And, you know, all of these kinds of things, of course, they, they teach you things. And you realize that, wow, okay. Yeah, because, you know, I can talk down too. I mean, I've done that for sure. But it doesn't really do anything. And so, as we close, we just have to remember. And such were some of you. And so we're just beggars telling other beggars where the bread is. And the bread is where? The bread is the bread of life. The, it's Jesus. And I think that even though it might not look like it on the surface, God still has many people in this culture that he wants to save. And he has many people in places that we would think, oh no, there's nobody in there. Though, no, those people, they're, they're too far gone. No, that's not true. It would have been easy to think that about Corinth. But Jesus says, Paul, keep speaking. Don't be silent because I've got many people in this city. And so what did Paul do? He did what Jesus told him to do. And it says there that he continued there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. And I'll just say this in closing. And I said it before. I said it just recently. You know, people don't know God's word. They don't know what it says. They really don't. They think it says the stuff that it doesn't say. And we can tell them, like Paul did, about the love of God, about the mercy of God, about the grace of God. Dave Manny was telling me yesterday about the baptism, uh, about the baptism, and two two ladies came down and they were in a relationship with each other and one of them was moved to be baptized and um, the other one was you know kind of kept her distance but you know Dave, Dave said in, in only a way Dave could do it he said to the other one he said oh come on down come on down you're gonna feel it it's gonna be great you know and he said she didn't she didn't be baptized he said but she came kind of the water's edge she watched the baptism and then at the end, she said, I felt that, that you were talking about. And she said, I feel like there's a lot of love here. Wow, a lot of love here. That's what, that's what people, you know, that's what people should feel. Because there is a lot of love. It's God's love. God, you know, today, I mean, you know, so many people, so many people in the gay world, you know, the first question they ask is, well, why does God hate me? Whoever said God hated you? The devil wants you to think God hates you. God doesn't hate anybody. God loves everybody. He loves us so much. 
He's not going to let us stay the way we are and destroy ourselves. He's going to save us and do great things in our lives. the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. Have you ever found it difficult to receive, keep, and maintain grace? Without grace, there's constant condemnation, fear, and anxiety. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares how all believers can find victory in the battle against grace. Cheryl points out the enemies of grace, but she also explains how grace gives power forgiveness, blessing, and how it will enable you to live the abundant life that Jesus promised. If you want to live a life in the freedom of the grace of God, this book provides practical instruction to help and equip you. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.